This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, February 19, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. Fed Chairman Ben Bernanke has made hay about the Fed's new tools to control lending when it comes time for the central bank to sop up all that liquidity now residing in U.S. banks. But those tools are almost entirely new and untested. The Fed has already gone far beyond its traditional role. So says Cato Institute Director of Financial Regulation Studies, Mark Calabria. Looking through Chairman Bernanke's prepared remarks, he says this, In October 2008, Congress gave the Federal Reserve statutory authority to pay interest on banks' holdings of reserve balances. By increasing the interest rate on reserves, the Federal Reserve will be able to put significant upward pressure on all short-term interest rates, as banks will not supply short-term funds to the money markets at rates significantly below what they can earn by holding reserves at the Federal Reserve banks. That seems that at some point the Federal Reserve will be competing with an economy that's heating up in terms of trying to keep these interest payments up against um, what those interest rates would be uh, competitively. Is that right? To, to, to some extent. I mean, what the Fed is trying to achieve in this is to be able to set a floor under interest rates and to sort of suck liquidity out of the system by basically paying banks to keep their money with the Fed. Uh, in theory, this certainly sounds like on something on paper that could work. I think the problem that with it is going to be when theory hits the reality. Uh, for starters, as you mentioned, they would be repeat, uh, competing with the rest of the economy. So let's say that a bank could lend money at 6% on a mortgage. Well, if the Federal Reserve is telling you that, hey, why don't you leave your money with me and I'll pay you 3%, are you really going to do that? You're probably not. You're going to say, I need to invest my money in something else competitive. So to some extent, for this policy to work, the Fed truly has to offer rates that are, at least as far as risk-free assets, competitive with the private market. But that also gets you to the other part of it, which is what ability gives the Fed to do this? Where do they get the money? You know, I mean, banks, they borrow, you know, and then they lend. So that's where they get the money. For the Fed to start paying competitive interest rates, they essentially need to print money to pay banks to pay interest rates. So if we believe that ultimately inflation is a monetary phenomenon, as Milton Friedman reminded us, printing money to pay interest rates, to pay banks to take money out of the system, seems to have a couple holes in it. So ultimately, I'm very skeptical. Uh, and this even puts aside the political problems, which is, you know, once the American public starts seeing that you know, the Federal Reserve pays $50 billion to banks to keep their money, you know, that starts to look highly questionable. So I don't even think there's political support in the long run to do this on a scale and level that would truly be effective. Uh, and I'm not sure it could be truly ever effective because ultimately you have to print money to pay the interest on the reserves. So you are adding to the money supply in that regard. And the interest rates that the Fed would have to pay would be ever increasing to compete with the market would be. Uh, so I think the Chairman Bernanke is putting way too much hope on this as being a vehicle. And I think it's worth saying, I mean, as was mentioned, this was given by Congress to the Fed in 2008. This is something that's never, ever been tried before. So I think, the once again, Chairman Bernanke is putting a tremendous amount of weight on an untested measure that sounds really good on paper if you don't think about it too much. What should be the measure of the credibility of a Federal Reserve's plan to suck liquidity out of the market? Well, I think it's kind of tough to measure the credibility of any plan because credibility 
is not really, in my, in my opinion, as function of plan as it is a function of the will. Uh, there are many other instances where the Fed probably does have the tools and the mechanics in a strictly engineering sense to pull liquidity out of the marketplace. The question is whether they have the will to do it in a timely manner. Uh, and I think that that's a much harder uh, question to answer because I don't think that they will. Now, I think uh, as long as the labor market is weak, there will be tremendous pressure upon the Federal Reserve to keep monetary policy quite loose. Even now, I mean, there's almost sort of a schizophrenia from the Fed and the administration where you hear on one hand, oh, well, the economy is doing great. You know, we've got GDP growth like this and that. But at the same time, you know, if it's really coming out of a recession, why would we maintain federal funds rates near zero? So, you know, you need to kind of decide what exactly the economy is doing. Uh, and in a sense, it doesn't seem like the Fed has a clear picture in its own mind. Uh, but partly that's because I think that the they're putting 90% of the weight on the labor market. And not until the labor market really starts to strengthen are you going to see that pull out of liquidity. And by then, the inflation's already baked into the cake. So they're already a little too low. Uh, I mean, you could, of course, go back and say, well, Clearly, you could pull a Volcker and you could jack rates up to double digits and you can squeeze inflation out of the system. So in a sense, yes, there's a – you know, just simple mechanics, there's a way to do it. Uh, but my impression is that Ben Bernanke is no Volcker. It seems that he is laying out what will be the plan but provides uh, very little detail about what that plan uh, will look like. I can understand that from one perspective of the Fed chairman – saying what he's going to do, letting that, letting that have its effect in the marketplace and then following through on it. What do you take from the fact that he's uh, proposing to delay uh, for the near term and middle term, perhaps, a, a, a change? Well, I think one of the things that's that's very interesting in the comments he, he made recently is that he sees many of the programs as sort of self-executing and how they were end. For instance, you know, the Fed has been the largest purchaser of mortgage-backed securities. I mean, they have bought Freddie and Fannie as well as some private label mortgage-backed securities uh, in tremendous amounts. Uh, and their reaction has been, well, of course, we don't want to sell those back into the marketplace all at one. You don't want to have a fire sale. So their plan at this point is to simply let them amateurize and roll off. I mean, the average life of a mortgage is about seven years. So you can ideally hold all of these things so that they mature and pay off. Uh, the other advantage from that is you don't recognize any credit losses. I mean, for instance, if the Fed goes out and buys a mortgage at a hundred, buys a mortgage-backed security, a hundred cents on the dollar pays par, but interest rates have shifted upward. That mortgage is no longer worth a hundred percent on the dollar. It might be worth ninety cents on the dollar. If you were a commercial bank or particularly an investment bank, you'd have to mark that to market. You'd have to recognize a loss. Uh, but the Fed has specifically chosen a path here so that it may never actually have to admit any losses it takes on the assets it buys. It's quite clever from their perspective, but uh, certainly not exactly very transparent. Uh, but that said, there is no plan to kind of get these assets off of the balance sheet. The hope is that you know they will just prepay. Now, I think one of the flaws in that is many of these assets are at interest rates that are incredibly low. And anybody who's got a 5% mortgage right now, in about three or four years from now, when mortgage rates are probably closer to 7%, there's no way you're going to want to prepay that if you don't have to. So I think the, the duration, the maturity of these things are actually going to get stretched out in a way 
that they'll be on the Fed's balance sheets for a very, very long time, much longer than they anticipate. And the important part of that is this is still things that maintain the marketplace there, maintain that stimulus there by having these assets on the Fed's balance sheet. Given how the Federal Reserve has dramatically inflated uh, the money supply in the past couple of years, what impacts might we expect to see on the Fed's ability to then uh, measure uh, aggregates in the aftermath of that inflation. Well, there, there's all there's been for for a long time a debate among the ability of the Fed to even accurately measure the monetary aggregates, and I mean this is one of the reasons. Uh, I mean Volcker initially is, is chair basically was the only Fed chairman ever to take you know monetarism very seriously and spent at least almost a year targeting the monetary aggregates. He found it a lot harder in practice than it sounded in theory and basically abandoned that. I think over the near term, the short term, it's very hard to kind of target that. You know, most of what you want to try to figure out, you might have a, a handle on in the long term. But I do think that this makes it uh, that much harder to kind of figure out because the Fed has gone beyond its traditional instruments, you know, in its purchases of long-term securities, its purchases of mortgage-backed securities, not to mention that, you know, such a significant percentage, I believe over half of U.S. currencies outside of the United States, where you really can't even have an impact on that, that the ability to even figure out accurately what M1, M12 is, M3, I think is fairly limited. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why the Fed over the years has backed away from really targeting the money supplies. They don't really feel like they have a good sense of what it truly is. That's despite the fact that they put out statistics occasionally telling you what they think it is, uh, because some measures of that are, you know, are measurable. Of course, the the problem in all of that is you have really no way uh, contemporaneously measuring velocity. You know, ultimately, that's always something you sort of guess at at the end. Uh, and that's the biggest part of it. I mean, right now, we know uh, that there's over a trillion in excess reserves in the banking system that they could lend out tomorrow. So the question is, you know, when will they? And this is where I think the real sort of powder keg with the Fed's approach is, is that there's an expectation of they can pull those reserves out of the system before they get lent out. But because they already are such excess reserves and they're sitting there in the banking system, they are ready to be lent tomorrow. Uh, and I don't think it's going to be necessarily a shift, um, you know, a, a slow shift. I think you're going to get to a point where banks start to feel comfortable with the credit conditions again, and then and then the floodgates are open. Uh, and particularly, as long as you maintain rates fairly low, I mean, this is a sort of flip side of the interest on reserves is that right now, the rates are so low that any investment as an alternative looks reasonable. There were actually a several weeks, I guess, last year where the interest rate, the real interest rate on treasury bills was negative and people were still just clamoring to get them because it was just a flight to quality. Well, at some point, we're going to have a flight to uh, less than stellar quality just because the yield return on anything that's going to be quality is going to be near negative. In his remarks, Bernanke takes pains to make all these references to the new tools that they have at their disposal. And that actually, based upon what you said, seems a, a bit troubling. I, I think it is. I mean, for one, if they are indeed new tools, which some of them are, that essentially means they're untested. Uh, I'm not sure I would want to be the first person to fly on a brand new built designed airplane, for instance. I'll leave that out to others who are a little more daring. Uh, and it's the same thing. You know, he is resting somewhat the strength of the economy and the ability to, to fight inflation, not on 
what are old proven methods, which of course he believes we should use as well, but all, all of these new tools. Uh, I would prefer that you know with any new product or any new uh, method, you have built into that substantial room for error. Uh, there are very few things in life that work out exactly how you think they're going to work out the first time. Uh, and so I would prefer to have that built in. I think he's gambling way too much on getting things right that have never been tested before. Mark Calabria is Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute. Read more of his work at Cato.org.